0: relationsreviewpodcast.com Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast and have a great day. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners all across America and around the world. Now, question, how well and effectively does your CEO or your client CEO communicate with the public? Well, today's CEOs are required to take on roles they don't have time for, nor do they know how. My guest today says that her company is tackling the CEO trust deficit issue and remaking the craft of C-level branding and communications. Her background includes being in the film and television industry with a company she founded 26 years ago. She has worked with film and TV stars and other notables. Now, during the pandemic, she noticed a growth of CEO haters. After some research, she launched HWPPR whose sole purpose is to build reputations for CEOs. Now, their goal, to eliminate their client's trust deficit. So, joining me today from Vancouver, British Columbia, and our podcast's first Canadian guest is Holly Carinci, founder and CEO of HWPR. So, Holly, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, oh, thank you so very much, Peter. That was a wonderful introduction. I didn't know I was the first Canadian. Woohoo!
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Hi. I'm up here in Canada. Oh.
0: Good. <laughs> so, so, so let's begin now. You founded a company based on some research you mentioned. So, let's talk about what that research was. What did you find that caused you to launch your your company?
1: Sure. First of all, the reason I had been running Hollywood's publicity for, as you mentioned, 26 years. And um, I had specialized in individuals, so mostly directors, producers, or actors. And I had worked alongside, I certainly wasn't their publicist, but I had worked alongside, I had Seth MacFarlane come in and do one of my shows, and William Shatner, and I walked the red carpet with Leonardo DiCaprio, et cetera. And it was all very... Great and wonderful and fun, obviously, and lucrative, but um, it wasn't giving me that that nice feel good feeling, and I didn't feel like I was giving back. So I did start looking around, and when I was looking around, I started noticing, again, as you mentioned, the CEO haters and the number of them growing, and that didn't that that didn't look good to me. So. I did started doing some research and found out that yes, indeed, this was the case, that there was a very there was a huge lack of trust in CEOs. And right coming into that time, the pandemic struck. And when the pandemic struck to the film and television industry, if you remember, shut completely down. Mm-hmm. And I made a decision then. I thought, well, if I was ever going to do this, I would do it right now. And so I finished my contracts and I didn't pick up anybody new. And I dove, my team and I dove into research, R&D, and we looked at the economists PwC, Ernst & Young, anybody who was a very top, Harvard Business, uh, Reuters, Bloomberg, you name it. This is who I. This is who I researched, and we have uh, just a little bit of research saying that yes, indeed, the CEOs. There's a, there's a huge trust deficit and all the problems that that brings along with it. I decided to change caps again in my life, which I've done before, and basically take my skills and the skills of many others, which we can talk about later, Mm -hmm. from across North America in order to help the CEOs.
0: So so now let's explain (laughs) what a trust deficit is. How was it defined by, by your research? What did they say that was, and the problems that it causes?
1: It actually causes a number of problems, and it's uh, it's a serious thing. It's been coming on for years. Going into the pandemic, it had become so much worse, and that's why I saw the growth and the number of stories about it. The trust deficit is simply, they did, sadly, for the most part, bring it on themselves, CEOs, with the huge pay packages and a lot of sexual harassment charges, we went through Me Too, etc. And a lot of that anger was focused towards the CEOs. And one of the reasons, in many situations, that was incredibly unfair. You can't paint everybody with the same brush, as you know. But they were not... We were talking about a time when there were spokespeople. You cannot have spokespeople anymore. You have to be the spokesperson. The CEO has to be front and center. So if you don't know the CEO, if you, they do not have a reputation, if you don't know what they believe in, it's very easy to fake uh, focus your anger on them, and that's what was happening. It's uh, when you ask what kind of damage does it do. It's hard to lead a company. When you're not trusted, when the CEO isn't trusted, you know how people are looking at labels these days to find out what's in things or where where clothing items have been made. We care a lot more about what's going into our products now, and if we don't mm-hmm. know the CEO, we don't trust the CEO, we're not buying from them.
0: You know, it's also, uh, and and I looked at uh, this this issue myself, and one of the things that also popped up about, <laughs> The problem with a lack of trust is that it it, it inhibits uh, an organization's ability to grow. So if uh, oh, I'll say. that's a uh, obviously that that's always a problem for for any business.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and I guess one of the things that we're facing right now, given we we've just started and we're just launching, is it is a it, i'm glad you brought that up. It is a bit surprising that the stakeholders aren't calling, I guess, I'm not an anti-CEO, in fact, I'm quite the opposite, but um, why they're not calling them out a little bit more and saying, hey, we really need you to get out there and and talk to your employees and deal with your customers and, you know, make contributions to our number one problem right now, which of course is climate change. We need people to trust you. We need people to understand what you are about and what's important to you and what your values are in order for this company to do well.
0: Mm -hmm. So now that we've identified, you know, what the trust deficit is, how do you go about, first of all, convincing the CEO that this is something that they need to do? Perhaps you can look at the, I guess, sales that has gone down or whatever. But so what do you do to convince them that it is, one, that it is needed, and two, that they are the ones that need to do it?
1: That's a great question. You know, it was funny, I just found the answer after uh, two years of research, et cetera, and getting the, the company up and going, I just came to, up with that, what I think is the answer to that recently, and that is that I'm not in that type of business of sales. And if you're a CEO, you have, uh, you've earned that position. You are in that position. You already know you need to do this. So I have no intention of going out (laughs) and explaining to them that they need this. They know that they need this. Are they going to make the time? I think that is the question. Are they going to make the time? Do they take it seriously enough? More and more are taking it seriously. When I have finished, when I come to the conclusion, okay, yeah, this trust deficit, et cetera, it's a thing. It's getting worse. And we really need to trust our leaders and and have them be able to do uh, the work that we need them to do. I didn't want to just go out and say that. I wanted to be able to have a solution for them. And so our next stage, our second stage of research went very deeply into critical issues for the population. And those are, of course, things like talent acquisition, customer churn, Public policy making: do they speak up on public policies, because that can be very dangerous, or do they sit silently, because that can be very dangerous. Their climate initiatives, crisis prevention, etc., that is what we took a look at. And by tackling those issues and distributing the information through the media and through social media, you will build a very good reputation. Mm-hmm. CEO will be doing what it is that the public is looking for them to do.
0: Now, considering that there are so many issues out there that people, and every issue has its following, how does one go about deciding which issue or series of issues that it should confront? Because obviously, it can't tackle them all. But how does it go about prioritizing? I don't know. Maybe the first, obviously one, but maybe two or three that uh, makes sense to to the company.
1: Well, another great question. So. Yeah, they do have to tackle them all. <laughs> I know it's terrible, but they do have to tackle them all. So first of all, uh, just to be very clear, and it can be confusing, HWPPR um, only works with the CEO. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so our service providers, uh, I hate to call them, our talent comes from some of the top people, some of the top experts in DEI. Actually, they're all from the United States. They don't have any from Canada. Public policy makers and publicists from all the different sectors that a CEO could possibly come from. There are a lot of people. They come in. They only spend a couple hours. CEOs do not have a lot of time. Mm -hmm. These people cost a lot of money. But in the long run, it ends up costing you the same amount of money because you're definitely not, we're not asking you to enroll yourself in months-long seminars, et cetera. There's no way that the CEO can do that. They need to know, they need direction. They need to know expert advice. They need to know what the world is looking at and what it needs. And then they can give that information to their to their companies, we work directly with the CEOs and report directly to them. Mm-hmm. And we help them with their messaging and help them to understand each one of the situations. Does that answer your question?
0: I, I believe so. So when you say you work directly with them and, and the messaging, then that means that obviously that the communications people need to be involved because once that messaging is developed, uh, it has yeah. to be presented to the CEO and they deliver it uh, in, in a number of ways that speaking engagements or uh uh, business meetings or whatever it happens to be or social media uh, just how how else do they disseminate that once it's it's uh uh, worked out
1: you know you're absolutely right and so um part of part of our services is that there is always a top not for uh, i'll give you an example of one of our publicists who i'm incredibly fond of she's just Spectacular is the only word for her. She was over a decade with uh, PWC Head of Communications, Global Communications, and that was out of their flagship office out of New York. And she has run I don't even know how many other companies and their global communications. So she comes in. She will come to the table She's one of our head uh, business publicists. Mm-hmm. So if she decides that the story is worth it, then she will get that in. Let's say it's the New York Times. That's a hard one to get into, but yeah, let's say it's the New York Times. So yes, the information, we have the experts to disseminate the information, but first of all, the information has to be brought to the table. And that's where every single company is different. That's where you're absolutely right. Everybody is already handling these these issues. Are they handling them correctly? Are they brilliant? Okay. if they're brilliant? boom, check mark we don't need to be there on that. don't need to bring in an expert <laughs> don't need to bring in a messenger. nobody but if it needs help, if it needs work, if it needs tweaking, which is the case which is a lot of the cases, then we will bring in the expert, gather the information. We have a person who used to be uh, one of the heads of communications for Disney. she handles. She is one of the people, but she's the head person who handles the messaging and can uh, work with the CEO and how they deliver that messaging and mm-hmm. make sure that it's very crystal clear and easily understood. So we have experts, we have people who work on the communications and the messaging, and we have the publicists who disseminate the information and get it out there.
0: Okay. So they're in
1: good hands. They're in good hands. Well,
0: that, that <laughs> that's the part I wanted to bring up because, you know, once you have defined that message that you said, now now it sounds to me like there's also some element of thought leadership in this as well. Is that somewhere included in in the process that you're involved with?
1: It is. It is. It is and it isn't. So thought leadership has become, I don't, I don't know what you think, Peter, but I think it's become a very broad term, hasn't it? Right. So... I wouldn't want any CEO to think that we come in and tell them anything, basically, other than, than building their reputation, okay. which is what we're doing with, with these different subjects, on how to run their company. Uh-uh. No way. How to lead their company, that will be per, per client. Mm-hmm. Decision, I think. I don't think that, and we have people. They just happen to specialize in other in other things. So they're there. They're available. I hesitate to say that I'm going to go in and start talking to somebody about their leadership skills. I hesitate on that.
0: Well, it's yeah, simply because sometimes thought leadership is seen as people who or uh, get out in front of a particular issue, and and you, as you said, climate control could That's be one. And our company decided, well, the chairman is going to speak on thought leadership and, and get it placed wherever. So indirectly, I guess, maybe it, it falls over into that. What you do falls over into that category based on what it is and who it is and how they go about it.
1: You know I, Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it all depends on how we're looking at it. I, I guess I'm assuming that anybody that we're working with is a leader. They are the CEO, but you're absolutely right. So in that case, what we're going to be doing is is delivering the information, making sure they've got all the facts, that they can make their decisions, and then from their decisions, helping them with the messaging and making sure that they're getting out their own thoughts crystal clear and that we are amplifying it through our media contacts.
0: Tell me about perhaps one of the more difficult challenges you've had in terms of getting your um, uh, CEO to move forward with the messaging that you are uh, uh, prescribing for him.
1: We've only just started.
0: Okay. So so you've had (laughs) no, no...
1: we're actually working right now, but we've only just started, so I can't report any problems. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, <laughs> no, you don't have to sure. give any
0: names, but so I guess like a, a situation probably is the better way of putting it.
1: I think that in my past, I certainly have in, you know, in my careers. But right now, no, everybody is in their absolute newbie. We're breaking down the facts. We're finding out what they need. We're bringing on the team members, that sort of thing. So, no, I haven't had any trouble yet with any, but, again, they're brand-new clients, so that doesn't mean that one of them... I'm just I'm just kidding when I say this.
0: So <laughs> now, now, is it always just the CEO and no senior vice presidents uh, at all, but just the CEO of the company that uh, you guys work with?
1: That could change, but I hope it doesn't. It is a very high-touch service, and the idea is that when you are a CEO and you have all of these responsibilities, all of the ones that you and I have been talking about today, the talent acquisition, the customer churn, the public policies, the DEI, the etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they are all new responsibilities for mm-hmm. the CEO that they have to address. And quite honestly, they don't have the skills. That doesn't mean they're not great CEOs, but they don't have the skills. These are new. Why would they? It's for us to come in and mm-hmm. help them with that and move on.
0: Once you get the let's see, the messaging set and ready to go, and uh, you move forward on it, is there some trickle down in the company so that that same messaging is distributed among the the, the senior staff? as well as the employees, so everybody's on the same page and they're hearing the same message. I know it's probably not your your responsibility, but is that part of what maybe companies do once you've done what it is that you do?
1: 100%. 100%. Thank you for that. Yes. So while we're working directly with the CEO, everything that is being done, and and they are receiving the top-notch advice, top-notch coaching and guidance, that goes down through the
0: company as well. So how many different fields do you cover, have you you covered, or do you intend to cover in terms of working with CEOs?
1: How many different CEOs? Mm -hmm. How many different fields?
0: Well, you know, technology, uh, entertainment, uh, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, probably not so much entertainment. You and I, the other day when we were talking, we were talking about politics, and I'm very interested in that. Mm-hmm. So I think that is, a, that is something that I will probably pursue and look further into. You'll probably get another phone call from me, but <laughs> yeah, it's the politics. But technology, for sure. Technology is, even though it's crashing and burning right now, of course, it's always going to be there, and it's, uh, it's uh, a, a great industry. A lot of the business, Sides, med tech, fintech, love it. The psychedelic uh, drug ability. Some uh, some people are making some breakthroughs <laughs> with that. That's something that I'm that we're very 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 interested in, and and um, actually we're in discussions with two companies on that right
0: now. Now you mentioned that uh, you're right. You said that CEOs don't have a lot of time. But no. on average, how long does it take you to do what it is you do in terms of getting these CEOs? up to speed to make the kind of presentations that uh, they're capable and should be doing?
1: That's a multi-layered question. So where I'll go with this is that we look for a year minimum. uh, So that's the length of time is a year minimum. Mm -hmm. And as far as length of time per individual expert, there would never be more than two hours Mm -hmm. asked for, requested, more likely an hour and everybody is plugged in to follow the next person. So once one subject is done, one, once one, and again, I can't say what that is because it depends. Every single company is different. Every single CEO is different. But once one is done, the other one falls in, and we work with their schedule. One of the reasons why I was adamant, first of all, I wanted this to be a very, very high-touch service, and for good reason one of the reasons i was adamant about the type of people who would be uh, delivering the information is because i wanted the very best of the best and also ceo's if they're going to sit down and go into a zoom call or whatever it is if it's an in person and they're going to be take and spend an hour of their time you better buddy, deliver and for these people i have no no doubt that they're going to deliver in an hour or something probably more than what it might take someone else five hours, probably more than that. So mm-hmm. it's very, it was very important, they were really high-end. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let me ask you, is there anything that you do in terms of preparing the CEOs to overcome trust, their trust deficit that we may have missed in asking you about?
1: Hmm, let me see. Well, yeah, there can be all the things that we haven't talked about, that which are standard, and, and I tend to not even mention them. Uh, standard things are is you know basically uh, are you communicating? Are you what are you doing on your personal social media? Do people know who you are? How are you behaving? Some people might go uh, walk out in front of a crowd and run screaming. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is definitely not going to work. So there's a, there's a lot of other areas too that we do that we'll discover as we sit down. Per CEO, but the ones that I pegged were the five, and those were the five newish. I mean, crisis has always been a problem, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. But right now, it's just it's mandatory that you have a crisis prevention right. plan, and that the CEO before it was always a spokesperson, as you know, who led them out of that, and now it absolutely has to be the CEO who leads people through the crisis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mostly it's the five that you and I were talking about, but, of course, there's always the, the other stuff going on mm-hmm. that we need to take a look at.
0: Because I think those things are important, you're right, a crisis communications plan is important, uh, yep. you know, particularly in the mm-hmm. beginning the CEO needs to get out in front, and I think the, uh, the classical big, huge mistake that though, was made that, Is a classroom text now is how Boeing handled their incident about those 737s that uh, folks weren't forthcoming. And, of course, they didn't have the necessary empathy toward the uh, families of those who were lost in those crashes. And they paid a huge price for it.
1: They really did. And... You know, I don't think any of us feel sorry for them, do we? Because it was, you know, it was it was so poorly managed. It was like, well, of course, what did you expect? That was horrible. That was very sad. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very sad. And I kind of remember I don't have it in front of me, but I think I found it in uh, Harvard Business Review. Well, I think it was another publication they were quoting. It was talking about, uh, back to that research you and I were talking about at the beginning of the show, they were talking about how a crisis is actually an excellent time, and I hesitate to say that because Crisis and excellence shouldn't go together. but a crisis is an excellent time for a CEO to lower their trust deficit and to, uh, uh, you know become a trusted leader. And that has everything to do with how they message and how when the spotlight is on them, how they lead their company, their customers, any of their stakeholders out through that crisis, it, that will earn you a lot of respect, mm-hmm. or not, like you just said, <laughs> like you just pointed out, or not. Or not. <laughs>
0: well, Holly, you have uh, imparted a lot of wisdom to our, uh, to our listeners, and I'm just wondering if you have any closing remarks that you would like to make.
1: Yeah, I think so. So true. With you know, we have a lot of negativity out there, and and again, we do brush everybody with uh, you know, we do paint everybody with the same brush, and that's not necessarily true. And it's it is one of the reasons why CEOs have to get out there and say, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 not me. So you gotta you gotta give them some time. You've got to give them a break.
0: Thank you so very much to my guest Holly Carinci. He she is the. CEO of hWP uh, HwP PR in Vancouver British Columbia and you've as I said provided a lot of wisdom for our listeners today and thank you so much for having been a guest on the public relations review podcast
1: thank you very much Peter thanks for having me on
0: absolutely and to our listeners uh, thank you for being a uh, part of our uh, growing band of worldwide listeners i certainly appreciate it so much and also share this information with uh, your colleagues as well and please don't forget to listen to the next edition of the public relations review podcast this podcast is produced by communication strategies an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in nashville tennessee thank you for joining us Hi, this is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast and she'll take it from there. And again, thank you for listening and if you enjoy the program please become a subscriber now on to the podcast